Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by myself, Diana Bang and Grace Hill. From fashion, beauty and homeware, Diana and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. Are you feeling Christmassy, Grace? And did you buy anything? It's, we just wrapped up Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I know. I feel like the anticipation and the pressure to get a deal and like buy all of your Christmas presents within like a couple of days is really overwhelming. And like having to like pin down family members and ask them like, what is it that you actually want for Christmas? But yes, I I did a little bit of Christmas shopping. I definitely took advantage of the uh, and other stories discount. And yeah, what else did I get? Nothing too really that exciting. I wanted to buy a lot on the Zara sale, but everything I put in my basket actually was remained full price. So I was trying to not (laughs) buy things for the sake of buying things when I have nowhere to wear them. But how about you? What did you buy? Well, I mean, what you were saying about the Christmas list, my family were very different. We literally just said, this is what I want. And then the person buys it. So it's not like a, <laughs> this is a surprise. We all know what we're getting each other, which makes it a little easier. But I mean, um, that way you're not then getting all those like awkward presents that you have to pretend that you're really thankful for when actually you're just like, where's the receipt? I want to return it. Yeah. But I'm after Wellington Boots and I've seen, they've just recently done a collaboration with St. Laurent and they have a new CMO who was a previous co-founder at Net Porte. So keeping my eyes on those. Oh my gosh, that's really exciting. Yeah. But luckily neither of us you didn't buy the PlayStation 5 console. Did you hear that Amazon had to make a public apology because people were receiving other products like cat litter, dog food, my favorite, the Himalayan salt lamp instead of the PlayStation. <laughs> imagine imagine if you were like a hardcore gamer and you received some cat litter instead. I think you'd be bitterly disappointed. <laughs> no, funnily enough, a PlayStation 5 wasn't on the top of my Black Friday purchases. I'll leave that to my brothers who are definitely <laughs> Well, their headsets they use are probably similar to the one that I'm wearing today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wearing some very big headsets today. Just oh. make sure she has the best audio. Yes, best for the best audio, guys. It's all for you. It's function over fashion here. But anyway, what is it that we're going to be discussing on today's episode, Diana? So today we'll be looking at how November has become known as Cyber Month, and in particular, the success of Black Friday 2020. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by our very own VP of Research and Analysis, Emily Bezin. Emily was the third ever employee at Edited and has been with us for over 11 years. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Hi, guys. Hi. (laughs) So nice to see you, even if it is virtually. So firstly, Emily, it'd be great to hear more about your role at Edited as VP of Research and Analysis and, and how you came to be in this position. So um, my background is actually in design. So I studied textiles for knitwear and within the industry, my first roles were in sweater design in the US. So I really love designing. But when I decided to move back to the UK, I thought it's time for a new career challenge as well. So I came across Edited and after being at such a huge corporation before, it was really refreshing to join a new startup. 
And yeah, after the founders, I was the first employee, which is quite amazing. I bet you've seen a lot of change in the business. Massively changed, unrecognizable from the beginning. Oh my God. But obviously my role at Edited's changed quite a lot over the years. And initially it was very much kind of all hands on deck, kind of whatever needs to be done gets done. And however, now me and my team's focus is on using Edited's data and alongside external sources and social media and to tell our customers what trends they should be buying into. Yeah, it's amazing to see that team grow and how kind of foundational it is to, to the business with all the in, insights and analytics, because that's what we'll be delving into today. We've just come out of Cyber Month, Black Friday. And yeah, it'd be great actually to start off just to give context. Where did Black Friday originate from? Honestly, there's a few lines of thought as to where the actual term came from. So it's been reported that it was used by the police in America around the 50s who noticed that it was increased traffic and footfall as people started their festive shopping, which mm. falls in line with what we see today. It's also believed that the term could have derived from the time year that retailers went into profit, so that they were no longer in a red, essentially they're now in the black. But what's interesting is that's based on people making money, and now the whole term is purely associated with cutting prices and therefore margins as well. Yeah, I feel like there's this frenzy of discounting and that's what it's kind of known for in the retail space. So obviously we've spoken about its history, but let's fast forward to 2020. Now November is referred to as Cyber Month. So how did we now arrive at not just a day, but a a month of discounting shopping events? So there's been quite a few things that have contributed to this. So firstly, retailers have been trying to get their Black Friday offers out earlier than competitors. And we've been noticing this for quite a few years now. So essentially what was a few days of discounting has spiraled into weeks. Secondly, singles days definitely had a big impact. So traditionally, that was just a one-day event held by Alibaba. However, this year's singles day was expanded to four days. It was a, a big deal. It exceeded over $56 billion in sales, um, which is actually impressed 16 times as many orders as Amazon Prime Day. Finally, yeah, contributing this year as well is obviously the pandemic has had an undeniable impact. All retailers are discounting this year. Yeah, many having a lot of stock that they need to clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had even last year, we had a lot of our retail customers asking about Singles Day and how has that translated into areas outside of China? Because obviously it started in China but is now globalized. So why has that happened that it started from China and then other regions have taken on this event? Well, now that most big retailers sell to customers worldwide, there's very little that actually remains relevant just to one region. And especially when a strategy proves so successful as Singles Day has. So in the same way that Black Friday was a US event, but it's become part of the standard discounting calendar in the UK and pretty much across the globe. And the same thing's happening in Singles Day as well. Yeah, so even in the first Singles Day actually took place back in 2009. We've only really seen retailers pick up since 2017. Yeah, it's crazy how in relative terms, it feels like much more of a recent development in terms of the discounting calendar and it's kind of cropped up in very recent years. So one thing we always get asked about from our customer base is, you know, how are discounts evolving? What messaging are their competitors going after? Are they going to have the most enticing on the high street? So how, Emily, have you seen those discounts evolve into 2020 and kind of leading up to Black Friday and Cyber Month? Yep. So obviously, just as I just said, this year's caused retailers to completely revise their discounting strategies. However, what we've seen across most regions this year is that retailers are discounting more of their stock, 
but they're being so much more cautious about how much they discount by essentially they're just trying to lure in their consumers with offers but trying to protect their margins as they do it so things like this year we saw the summer sales starting earlier than normal and being promoted in customer emails earlier than normal non-pandemic friendly categories such as dresses skirts and swimwear actually seen deeper discounts than they were last year as well but despite the rocky year on Black Friday, both the US and the UK actually discounted heavier than when the pandemic first broke out back in March. Wow. Because well, I think, you know, not a lot of people have been wearing those dresses and those mm-hmm. outfits during the summer time. So a lot of stock that wasn't being bought out by customers. And then I guess now maybe people are, there's that hope with the vaccine that we're going to get out of it. But we'll see what happens. But obviously 2020 has been a complete anomaly How has Black Friday specifically been different this year versus 2019? It's a little bit of a mixed bag, actually, when you look at different different regions, sorry. So in terms of those in the UK, promotions have kind of been around or happening at a similar time to last year, with communication starting to trickle in towards the end of October. However, in the US market, Black Friday was actually featured in retailers' communications much earlier than usual. So a kickstart in the second week of October. Wow, that's early. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because like previous years, it's been like, oh, you know, the start of November, but the fact that we're going another month ahead is crazy. Yeah, when we look at the data, though, we see a really similar strategy to what I mentioned before, that retailers are trying to hook customers for more discount, but they're still minimizing how much they actually cut prices by. This year, UK retailers discounted a greater proportion of products than in previous years, like Black Friday. However, the amount of products we reduced by remained actually on par of the last few years. So what was really interesting, this demonstrated really well by we saw some promotions of up to 99% off. And this was publicized both by Boohoo and Pretty Little Thing. However, while they had all their products reduced over the period, the actual highest average discount depth that we tracked over the period was 50% at Pretty Little Thing and 35% at Boohoo. So even though they're really pushing these high, high discounts, in reality, a lot of the products aren't discounted to those depths at all. I feel like it's those kind of attention-grabbing headlines, isn't it? The fact that there was a product that was discounted to be at 4P, but as you said, the average discount was around 50%. So it was kind of those one-off items to to grab the attention of the consumer, I guess, that there are going to be some stellar deals available. We spoke about Topshop yesterday as well, Grace and I, because they had up to, or the other day, up to 80%. But when I was going through, I couldn't find many products. I was like, let me find the products that are up that have 80% discount. I couldn't find them. (laughs) They might have been. But I guess that leads quite nicely onto the next question that we wanted to ask you, which I guess is there specific items or or categories, you know, that potentially had to be discounted more heavily, probably off the back of the pandemic. So Emily, what did you see in terms of categories that were discounted the most and and how did you see this impact sellouts? So the most discounted categories are generally those that don't fit into the work from home or the comfort aesthetic. So blazers, shirts and blouses had heavy reductions, while the majority of bottoms that were discounted deeply were jeans, trousers and shorts. So handbags and jewellery were also discounted quite highly, even though soon-friendly pieces such as earrings and necklaces weren't accepted from deep discounts. So Emily, how did you see this then impact sellouts? So it was really interesting. You could see this quite clearly within dresses. 
So with the UK experiencing two lockdowns, retailers really use this opportunity to try and clear some of their dress stock at a high percentage off. But however, despite the deep productions we saw here, the majority of dress skews selling out over the four days were actually shy of last year's numbers by 30%. So this could suggest to retailers that are in a position to do so that it might actually make sense for them to hibernate some of this stock ready for next year when everyone is ready to return to a bit more to normal again instead of trying to discount it at any cost. So what we were seeing was retailers were discounting a lot of dresses, but we weren't seeing the consumer kind of take that opportunity and, and purchase those those products. It's yeah. really interesting. It makes sense as well, because I think when you look into edited data, those hero categories are, you know, the loungewear, activewear, sleepwear and underwear. The amount of kind of questions we had from our retail customers back then on those categories analyzed during the peak of COVID were so high. So you mentioned that they weren't, you know, as heavily discounted as some of the other categories, but were there categories where retailers tried to preserve margin and keep discounting levels low? You mentioned those hero categories, but were there any others that you saw that were integral to businesses to not discount? Yeah, so retailers were really careful with the, the so-called now pandemic hero categories. So in the US market, we saw that hoodies and sweatshirts each made up less than 5% of the tops warranting the steep reduction. And by steep reduction, we mean over 60%. And while in the UK, that hoodies and sweatshirts made up less than 3%. And a similar story we saw within the bottoms category too, where sweatpants and leggings were just minimally marked down. Footwear has been a bit of a funny one this year. Obviously, not going out too much, but comfort wear really drove footwear sellouts without requiring too much of a drastic price cut. So in the US, shoes were the second top selling category on Black Friday, and these were driven by sneakers and were only 5% of styles were marked down at 60% or above. So we see people getting involved in their running as well and outdoor exercise there. And those fluffy shoes that you wear at home. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite. Slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting though, in the UK, we actually saw that sandals and former shoes were the footwear categories reduced the deepest, but this compares to just 1% of heavy reductions in slippers. Interesting. That's so low. Only 1% of slippers being reduced. It's crazy. So Emily, I know kind of Black Friday and, and Cyber Month is always quite a controversial subject and, you know, has some strong opinions within the market. But even more so this year, where obviously a lot of regions were in national lockdowns. So what was the impact of non-essential brick and mortar stores being closed in many countries over the Black Friday and Cyber Month period? So there's some data in at the moment that you, overall in the UK, overall payments in store and online actually fell by almost 17% year on year. And while in the US, foot traffic was down by over 50% as well. It's quite interesting how we've seen, not just over the Black Friday period, but just in general this year since the pandemic broke, how we've seen retailers trying to work their way around these issues. So things like curbside pickup, call and collect, click and collect. These have all been much more widely publicised this year than they ever have been before. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. Some regions have taken a bit more of a strict approach. I don't know if you've heard about Amazon in France. They've been forced to hold back their Black Friday event until the 4th of December with the aim of allowing other competitors to actually open up in time to have in-store, in-store sales. Yeah, I really like that initiative as well. I feel like it feels like a fairer playing field. It must be really challenging for retailers who do have much heavier brick and mortar presence. But I think it's also interesting that especially in countries like the US where there weren't the same restrictions on stores opening that footfall still dropped and that people 
weren't willing, you know, understandably to go to stores to get those deals. Yeah. It was interesting. Yesterday, I got a notification from H&M that they were, after the Black Friday that they did online and Cyber Monday, they were then doing it in store only. But the communication, it was like a notification that said, we were putting measures in place because of obviously COVID and making sure people felt safe. But yeah, that's only going to be in store now that they're carrying it on. But I guess a key tactic that we wanted to talk about as well was that retailers use a lot of signups to mailing lists and to download apps to be able to access the sales. From the research that you've seen, Emily, why do retailers use this method and what's the impact of this? Well, simply, I mean, as you know yourself, there's just so much competition for offers at the moment. Almost everyone has a deal going. And so getting your customer to think about what they'd like to purchase ahead of time is really crucial for sales. Things such as pre-adding items, as Levi's does to baskets, means your customer's already invested in them mentally. So they're less likely to be swayed once all the other Black Friday kind of hype hits. So we kind of like really already know that that's the product you want. And with more and more people making purchases on their phone, trying to get people to download your app as well is just a really valuable place for retailers to be, not just for Black Friday, but all year round as well. Making someone feel like they're getting something exclusive for signing up is like a really, really good incentive. I feel like it was funny because all my friends, like WhatsApp group chats, everyone was like, what does everyone put in their Zara basket? Because you <laughs> could actually preview the prices that they were going to have on Black Friday 24 hours before the event went live. So you yeah. can kind of like, you know, fantasize about, okay, I'm going to buy this at this price and uh, have that all ready to go to click pay on your app. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hadn't done that in previous years. So that was just so interesting that you got to see the discounted prices. Yeah, I think just having that mental investment into what, what you know you can buy. Is you like a conscious, you're having more of a conscious decision and giving time to, mm-hmm. you know, rather than the frantic, even though it will still be frantic when it opens up, but you can think more about what you want to buy because you see the prices beforehand. Yeah. On that topic of consciously purchasing, you know, specific items. I know everyone talks a lot about the dark side of Black Friday, you know, whether it's impulse purchasing products that you don't necessarily need, but I know I'm guilty of that. You see a deal and you're like, oh my gosh, I I need to have it. Even if I have 25 black dresses already in my wardrobe, do I need another one? And how that maybe leads to increased returns and and also cost to the retailer. So how can brands mitigate this risk, Emily? So, yeah, so like I said, there's quite a few threats here to retailers and for various reasons. Obviously, most importantly, this is the time of year when everyone actually wants to make full price sales. It's the most important time in the retail calendar. So slashing prices right now isn't probably the smartest move, even though it's now become tradition. What we have found over the years is that essentially the thing, the things that we see selling out every year aren't the cheapest. That's so interesting because I always, it's like almost luring people in and then mm-hmm. the psychology of thinking that you have a deal. Because I'm one of those people that when somebody says, oh, where did you get that top from? I'm always like, well, it was at, discounted at this price. I always introduce a top if I've had it discounted. I'm one of those people that do that. So <laughs> one by the psychology of it. And also the really deep discounts as well just really promote throwaway culture, um, which really derails sustainability efforts. Why would a consumer really care and look after their goods if they can replace them for so little? As sustainability is obviously really high in retailers' and consumers' agendas at the moment, it's something that retailers really need to consider. Like, is, is it actually responsible of them to, to be cutting their prices? Yeah. 
it definitely speaks to that sustainability feeling, doesn't it? And like, do you actually need more? And like being more conscious about what it is that you're purchasing. There is a really kind of slightly crazy stat from Think Tank Green Alliance last year. Apparently in the UK alone, around 80% of the items bought over Black Friday in the weekend that follows, along with their, which is generally plastic packaging, ended up in landfill or being incinerated. Well, terrifying. I wonder as well how many more returns there are during Black Friday, especially with the policies we have now with the pandemic of how we do returns and products have been worn by people. And I think as as well, like where stores were closed and people can't try on items either, like how 100% of products bought on Black Friday was all online in the UK. So there's going to be a higher percentage of returns naturally off the back of that, which is doesn't help the staff. Yeah. On that topic, Emily, how, from what you've read, how have brands been breaking the mold and not engaging with Black Friday? So, yeah, we've actually been noticing this the last couple of years, despite the excessive communications that we all get flooding our inbox every year. There's so many more retailers that are trying to take a stance against the hyper-consumerism that's associated with the whole event. So with many repositioning the day in a positive way, trying to lower the impact with sustainability and giving back to the front of mind. So Green Friday is gaining traction at the moment. It's a campaign that was started to raise awareness of the impact of consumerist shopping habits. While many retailers have donated to charities instead of passing down discounts to customers this year, we've seen those both in the aid of humanitarian and sustainability kind of causes as well. So there's been some really interesting ones. So this year, Allbirds raised their prices by a dollar. And that dollar was donated, but the company also matched it as well. And that went to Fridays for Future, Greta Thunberg's campaign, which is nice. And Anya Hindmarch donated all of her profits over Black Friday weekend to Voice for Nature. So many retailers have really, really got into that this year. For those retailers that do continue doing Black Friday, we expect to see a little bit more personalisation of the day. The retailers put their own spin on the event. So things we've seen already include Pink Friday at Chrissy and Thing, Indigo Friday at Levi's, Blue Friday at Mud Jeans, and Friends Friday at Esprit. Love it. Rainbow Friday. Yeah, Rainbow Friday. I feel like it's all about personalisation, whether that's the event or shopping experience. There's that stat, isn't there, that like consumers spend more, like 48% more if their experience is personalised. I know that doesn't relate to the event, but key theme. Well, according to the H&M app that I got the notification about in-store, I'm going to go to the, the shop tonight, I get different discounts depending on my membership points. So I walk around the store and it will like tell me, oh, wow, test it out tonight. That's really cool. Well, you'll have to let us know. Yeah. How good of a member I am. (laughs) It's amazing. I feel like even on the high street as well, there were some, you know, notable brands and retailers that didn't participate or engage in Black Friday this year. And one thing, you know, we got asked that a lot as well from our customer base on like, how do we see people, you know, engaging with Black Friday? And do we see retailers rebranding Black Friday in the light of the Black Lives Matter movements as well? So we noticed a handful of retailers that were quite explicit in their messaging surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. But overall, we feel like it's made people think kind of wider as well to be more thoughtful and to try and give back more generally and to drive some more social changes across the board. So one campaign that was running was Reclaim Black Friday. And that was a movement that's aimed at redistributing a percentage of sales to 
black and indigenous-led environmental organisations. So the two retailers that we saw push this this year was Sotella and Free Label. So they both put mm-hmm. their communications. Outside of retail, there's been so much talk about this, about publications, and I'm sure you've seen it across Instagram yourself, Sony Post encouraging consumers to buy from Black-owned businesses on Black Friday instead. Mm-hmm. Well, I think now there's so much transparency with how what consumers are seeing with how retailers are communicating and how they're positioning their campaigns. And consumers have a voice now that retailers need to consider. So it'll be interesting to see in future what will happen. From your perspective, where do you see, and I guess the question is really, do you think Black Friday actually will exist in five years time, say? I do think it will exist. I think it's sustained itself such a long time now, and I can't see that just suddenly will come into a complete halt within the next five years. Um, however, we've just discussed the number of companies that are boycotting or reframing the events growing. So I, I'm quite hopeful that it emerges a bit more of a considered event. And that's hopefully both from the retailer and the consumer perspective as well. The circle's got to kind of slow down or break a bit somewhere. Mm-hmm. In the aftermath of COVID, retailers are going to need to reevaluate their processes and the sustainability impact of fast fashion is going to be under so much more scrutiny. And essentially, they need to think, can they continue to function with such narrow margins as well during the most important retailing period? Absolutely. I feel like it's a really interesting time and everything that's happened in 2020 has enabled retailers to really take stock and think back and and, and think about strategies moving forward and, and think about things differently. So Emily, what is the one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from this episode? So I think, yeah, as I discussed earlier, from the past few years of Black Friday, it's really taught us that deeper discounts don't really mean more sales. As a retailer, you really don't have to keep slashing your margins just to try and make more sales. Customers will come and buy from you. You don't have to have the cheapest product and you just have to have the right product. Yeah. Maybe it's about whether the 64p strategy probably isn't the the most optimum or will customers actually buy more products that are what they actually want and are the right product at the end of the day rather than the deepest discounts. So. Emily, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you for sharing it with us. Lovely to chat to you both. It's lovely to speak to you too. And thank you. That was so interesting. As a listener of ours, we are here to support you as this challenging year in retail continues. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist, and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to the Insider Briefing. Sign up at edited.com, where we'll keep you all updated on the latest news and strategies. Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Emily, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes and tell your friends or family about us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Bye. Bye.